0: Amen. How are you guys doing today? This is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. I always love and enjoy worship. Worship for me is, is like, you know, it's spiritual warfare. because There's so many things that my heart yearns for, desires, you know, and it's in worship. I, I get a chance to remind myself of kind of the purpose of life, you know, and keeping the main thing the main thing. You know, and this reminds me of Matthew chapter 6 and 33, where he says, first, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added on to you. You know, and that's really part of my heart's desire and my heart's prayer is it's like, Lord, that you would fill me. You would fill me with your presence. You would fill me with the want to. You would fill me with a desire because oftentimes, you know, we're like sheep, you know, we go astray. And I can find myself on Wednesday and Thursday not, not desiring, not hoping, not yearning for that. And that's, you know, in my prayers that no matter what season of life that we're in, no matter where we are in life right now, that, you know, that one of those beatitudes that we would always hunger and thirst for righteousness, that we would never allow that to be satiated. In us. We would desire for it more. We would desire for it more and more. I think that's the biggest struggle for the Christian in the Christian life is that we would constantly cultivate our heart to pursue God above all else. You see, because here's the truth and the reality is that the heart is an idol-making factory, and it just keeps producing all different types of idols that just like weeds that just pop up, that just want to choke out kind of God and his word in our lives. And I just, my, my prayer is that if we don't, do anything else, hear anything else, is that we would declare war on our flesh every single day. And we would constantly cultivate our heart to pursue him above all else. So whatever disciplines you have to do, whatever thing you have to do, just just make that, make war in your life. That's what this is about. That's what what all of this is about. The reason why we come to church is not just to put off the checklist, but to remind ourselves, God, like what we just saying, God, I want you to fill me. Fill me, right? Less of me, more of you. That's my passion. That's my desire. That's my want to, right? There's a passage in scripture that talks about this idea of passion. Jesus says that if you want to be my disciples, you must also take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. You must be people with passion. Passion is a willingness to endure the pain for something that's greater than the pain. We are. We're, we're struggling. We all have hardships. We have hard times, but I pray that we would live with passion. We would live with heart. If you're here for the first time, my name is Dehydre Lewis. and one of the pastors here. Me and Pastor Carly, you get an opportunity, along with the other elders, to um, shepherd this body. This has been a, a joy to do this. Uh, you know, about for some of you don't know, um, about 10, 12 years ago, going on 13 now, we started Blueprint Church. And we named Blueprint Church for a specific reason. The definition of a blueprint is a plan or a process that's used as a guide to start something new. So we named the church Blueprint because we wanted to run to the city. We wanted to embrace the beauty, the complexity, the density, the diversity of the city. It just feels like in a time where like there's, 21st century is the first century that there's more people living in urban communities than live in rural and suburban. People are running to the city, but it seems like while all the world is running to the city, the church is running outside of the city. And we're going to the suburbs and to rural areas. And so as, as a church, we says like, Lord, the harvest in Matthew nine thirty-seven and 38 it says the harvest truly is plentiful, but it's the laborers that are few. So you see, in that passage, Jesus was ultimately saying, he'd say, listen, the problem is not your neighborhood. The problem is not the unbelievers. The problem is not TikTok and all these things. The problem is there is a lack of laborers. He says, because too many of us have turned our Christian faith into conferences, concerts and church services. We have created this passive religion where there's a couple of people, a couple of professionals prepare and they train, and we sit and we listen so that we can feel good. That we've turned our Christianity all to about, this is about a bunch of learning, a bunch of head knowledge, and we've lost it. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but you and I, we're missing laborers, laborers for the harvest. So December 15th of 2007, a group of us, 25 at the time, which eventually became 40, moved from Denton, Texas to Atlanta, Georgia to start Blueprint Church because we wanted to be the last generation forced to leave the urban context for sound discipleship we wanted to come and we wanted to be an answer to the prayer of Matthew 9:37 and 38 cuz after Jesus says the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few he then turns to his disciples and he says i'll need you to pray pray to the lord of the harvest that he would send out more laborers that he would send out more laborers and that's our prayer is that we want to be an answer to that prayer That we praise the Lord for conversions. We want to see more and more people come to know the Lord. But we also are now know that you're not done at your conversion. That God doesn't just rapture us up after we give our lives to the Lord. He leaves us here for a purpose. He leaves us here to be what we're going to be talking about today to be His ambassadors. To be His ambassadors. And this is what this series is all about. So if you're here for the first time, we've been going through a series called DNA series. DNA series is basically a time where I just get to riff and just talk about kind of who we are as a church, call us back to the reason why we do what, we, what God has called us to do. It's a, it's a time where we can go back and, and turn back to a biblical Christianity. It's a time that, that we, we get the opportunity to remind ourselves not who we are, not just who we are, but why we are here. And so we spend every August, we take four weeks to just say, hey, this is what this church is about. This is what this church is about. That we ultimately say when we talk about Blueprint Church, that our goal in everything that we build is off of what we call our DNA. And our DNA is, is, comes and it comes out of the scriptures. Ultimately, and this is what we say that we want you to internalize. And understand that our goal for you and our heart for you is. Number one is that we believe that the gospel, the gospel changes people and what? And people change the world. That God could use the trees, the, the air. He can use a lot of things, but he has sovereignly chosen to use us, to use you and me. That we are conduits of God's grace. The gospel changes people. And God uses people to change the world. So we exist as a church to do what? Unleash healthy people to do what? This is, again, this is a call and response. This is a call and response. We are here to unleash healthy people, to do ministry where life exists. So we're not just releasing people. We want Because we don't want you to reproduce badness. But right? we want to release healthy people, unleash healthy people to do ministry where life exists, where you live, where you work, where you worship, right? And so the way we define health are people who are growing in the gospel, in the context of family, while on mission. That this is a three-legged chair, gospel, family, mission, That that we say Christianity is not a religion, but it's about relationships. It's our relationship with God, our relationship with other believers, and our relationship with our neighbors. And so everything we do as a church is to go for four core identities that we want you to identify with and you to understand that everything we do is for you to become, number one, a gospel-centered believer. A gospel-centered believer that we believe the gospel reshapes our identity. It reshapes the way we think, the way we um, live the way we speak, right? That is the gospel changes everything. That we, we talk about this idea that we are a new creation. We are a new creation. The gospel doesn't just make us a better human, it changes who we are. The second thing is gospel, that's gospel sin and believers. The second one is that we are responsible siblings. That the church is not like family, it is family. God is our father. Jesus is our elder brother. And we are brothers and sisters in Christ. That we are, the gospel makes us family. We don't get saved just to be children of God, but God invites us into a family where we are introduced to brothers and sisters in Christ but we also recognize that we are indigenous disciple makers. And that's where we're gonna land today and spend a couple of minutes. Indigenous disciple makers is that we intentionally seek to make disciples where we live, where we work and where we worship. That it is our goal that the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. And then finally, we're generous stewards. Jennifer stewards, and we'll talk about that next week. As Jennifer stewards, we are God's stewards. We are managers seeking to manage his time, his talent, and his treasure. Stewardship is not a subcategory of the Christian life. Stewardship is the Christian life. How you use your time, your talent, and your treasures to cultivate your relationship with God, your relationship with other believers, and your relationship with your neighbors is the Christian life. There's no other Christian life. Stewardship. And so we'll talk about that next week. So we are basing all of this and we've said, hey, we're going to be jumping around, hitting about four different scriptures today, but we're going to do them real quick. And then Pastor Carly's is going to come up and we're going to have a, a Q&A because we want you to get this. We want you to know our DNA. We want you to understand. We want you to be able to ask questions um, to us. And so um, what we've been doing is that we've been looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Right, reading 14 all the way to 21 is kind of the whole text that captures all four of those aims. Right? There's gonna be 18 through 20, because that's what we look at today. We'll be on the board, but I wanna read to you. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Second Corinthians chapter 5, 14 to 21, because this is the apostle Paul talking to the church of Corinth, to the church of Corinth and, and calling them and letting them know who both who they are and what they've been called to do. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 14 to 21, it says this, for the love of Christ compels us. Since we have reached this conclusion that one died for all and that all died, and he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. Gospel-centered believer, um, responsible sibling, verse 16. From now on, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective, even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, Yet we now, but yet now we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and see the new has come. Everything is from God and who has reconciled us to him through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us, that the gospel doesn't just reconcile us to God, but it reconciles us to one another as responsible siblings. Verse 20, therefore, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for this time. Bless your people. Bless this word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if we are, if our aim is to be both gospel-centered believers, responsible siblings, indigenous disciple-makers, and generous stewards, if we recognize that, that we all have a sheet that this is basically an outline for you to follow alone, that we see that as indigenous disciple-makers, we intentionally seek to make disciples where we live, where we work, and where we worship, where we worship. That in that 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 14 through 21, we saw that we are in Christ. We are in Christ as gospel-centered believers. That we also saw that we are made new, or we are new creations, as responsible siblings. And then today, we are His ambassadors. His ambassadors. Do we have any ambassadors in the house? You're oh, amen. I'm not, not going to ask you what type of ambassador. What type of ambassador are you? You're ambassador for the Lord. Amen. She's just like, I'm out there. I didn't know. I was like, Amen. That's it. I'm an ambassador for the Lord. But so when we talk about ambassadors, what is the role of an ambassador? What is the role of an ambassador? All right, good. Hopefully, y'all heard that. It's, yes, he said a lot. <laughs> Hopefully, you guys heard that. i was not going to try to repeat all of that. But yes. But we, yeah, that, everybody, you, you projected. I heard you. So, but, so we talk about the idea of ambassadors. We are his ambassadors, right? And so when we recognize this, then we, we recognize a couple of things. There's not going to be on the scripture, but I want you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, because we're going to talk about indigenous disciple-making. And, and as his ambassadors, what has God called us to do? What has God called us to do? And what is this idea of disciple-making? And let me just kind of break a few things down, a couple of disclaimers when I, when I talk about discipleship. The first is this. Let me just say that disciple-making, the definition of disciple-making that I'm, walk, that I'm working with. Disciple-making is our capacity to lovingly embody the person and work of Jesus and to transfer him into the life of others. Let me say that again, one more time. When we talk about disciple-making, my definition of disciple-making is our capacity to lovingly embody the person and work of Jesus and to transfer him into the life of others. So when we talk about disciple-making, that is the underlying understanding of disciple-making. When we talk about disciple-making here at Blueprint Church, we, we believe that disciple-making is not a ministry of the church, but disciple-making is the ministry of the church. Everything we do is about making disciples. And so if you are a covenant family member in the church or if you are thinking about being a covenant covenant family member of this church, what we say is that a call to membership is a call to discipleship. That if you say that you wanna be a member of this church, you are saying that you want to be discipled by this church. As Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Because our goal, our desire is that we want you to become indigenous disciple makers. We want you to make disciples where you live, where you work, and where you worship. That word indigenous basically means, um, it simply means to be native, to where you are. We want you to be able to make disciples. So in 2 Timothy chapter 2, this is Paul's final letter to a pastor, Timothy. And basically what he is saying is is this is how you develop and defend a disciple-making culture in your church. Where disciple-making is not a ministry, but it's the ministry. And so Paul, speaking to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, says this. He says, and the things you heard me saying in the presence of many witnesses, the same, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And so if you look at that passage, we can just look at it and break it up into three component parts. The first one is, and the things you've heard me say, right? So if that, that, that first kind of part of the sentence talks about this concept of the things that you have heard me say, but he doesn't just say anywhere, the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, This is really important because when we recognize discipleship as being our capacity to lovingly embody the person and work of Jesus and to transfer him into the life of others. What basically Paul is saying is that, Timothy, don't get cute with it. Don't get cute with it, Timothy. Hey, the same stuff that I taught you in the presence of many is the same stuff you need to be teaching others. Right? And this is how we remain faithful to the presence of God's word. So basically, he's ultimately saying that if you're going to veer anywhere, veer to saying it's in the Bible, it's here, it's because I've been taught this. I may not understand it all, but this is the guardrails that God has given me, that God has not given us a by any means necessary approach to. Um, being his ambassadors, but he has called us to fall into a by all means possible, meaning just like if we were bowling that, you know, those guardrails that are put up when you don't want to have the gutter ball to the left or you don't want to have a gutter ball to the right. And the way you don't go veer to the left or veer to the right is by staying within the canopy of the Lord's wisdom. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Ultimately, what we're saying is that we want to have reverence for God. And so he says, what you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, right? But the second question is the who. Where does, who do we go to disciple? And it says, commit to faithful men. Commit to faithful men. So when we talk about the three primary relationships, right? We talk about um, as gospel-centered believers, it's our relationship with God as um, Responsible siblings, it's our relationship with our brothers and sisters that are in Christ. And then as indigenous disciple makers, it's our relationship with our neighbors. And so the question becomes, is how do we interact um, in that as we are going? So as we are seeking to make disciples, he says, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. But the first one is commit to faithful men. And there's a bad acronym, but it's an acronym that I grew up learning. It says commit to fat people faithful, available, and teachable. It's an acronym. He says commit to faithful, available, and teachable. Who? Will, so when we talk about the reason why, because you want to entrust your time, your talent, and your treasure in this realm for the purpose of apostolic or continued succession. Because what Jesus is ultimately saying is that we are called to be a disciple or build a disciple-making culture where we are trying to bring every believer into Christ, right? And then we are trying to unleash them to go do ministry where life exists. And so when we think about like the, the, the levels of disciple-making, just think about it in this way. There's like D1, D2, D3, and D4, Just kind of go with me right now, right? So D1 is basically the ability to lead yourself, disciple yourself. Right? What do we mean by that? Is this the ability to be able to, like if you were the only person in the midst of all non-believers that you would be able to spark a movement for God if all you had was a Bible? Because you would be able to know how to feed yourself by going into God's word, how to share God, how to share your faith, how to um, just study. God's Word. And so that's really been a part of what we've been doing is talking about how do we become self-feeders? How do we be able to understand the truth of God's Word and understand Him? How do we pray? And so if you've been with us for these first um, couple of weeks, we've talked about that. We've talked about Bible study methods. We've talked about um, different ways to pray. We've talked about different ways to share your faith, the gospel. So there's all different types of things that just basically, how do we walk with God? So that first level, or D D1, is basically discipling yourself. That second one, D2, is discipling others. Discipling others. This is where oftentimes many of us we stop, right? Because we don't want to project ourselves on people. We don't want to do certain things. So we just basically stop for on one per, on just who we are right? Discipling ourselves. And then we make Christianity about everything else. It's about pulling off the next event, doing the next thing. But Jesus says, listen, he says, all those other things, he says, this is the, the one thing that I want you to understand. He says, make disciples of all nations. It's sort of like if, uh, if my children were to go up and were to say, hey, and I tell my kids, hey, go upstairs and clean your room, right? And then they go upstairs. They're there for a couple of hours and they're doing their thing. They come back down. And then my first question is, did you clean your room? And they were like, oh, well, dad, you know, we didn't get to like actually cleaning the room, but we studied how to clean our room. We looked at different approaches to cleaning the room. We thought a lot about cleaning our rooms. You know what we even we even studied cleaning our room in the Greek. Right. And we got to understand we went, you know, and we've done all of these things. But the one thing that we did not do is we didn't clean the room. Are they being obedient? No. You see, but as believers, the very last thing that Jesus calls us, he says, all authority has been given to me. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey. And then, lo, I will be with you until the end. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but it's the labors that are few because too many of us is doing everything else but making disciples. But this is the one thing. You see, what Jesus says, that this is the great commission. It's not a mild suggestion. that God is calling us to be to obedience. And so when we look at faithfulness, the goal of discipleship is not that it stops with us, but we are, what the Bible says, we are indebted to him. We are in debt. I've used this example many times, but if I had money on me and if I were to give it to Pastor Carly and I would say, hey, Pastor Carly, hey, give this 20 to your wife after church. Carly is in debt to me until when? Until he actually gives that $20 bill to his wife. Our salvation is not just for us. We have a stewardship. God has given it us. And he says, hey, while you do this, give this message, give this gospel, give this to your neighbors. Why? Because the harvest is plentiful. The labors are few. He even says in Acts chapter 1 and 8, he says, listen, here's the thing. Because what they were wanting, if you look at it, go back and read Acts chapter 1 and 7. It says, hey, Jesus, is it time now? Is it time for you to put us back on top? Is it time for you to put the Jews back on top? Because we've been in bondage for 400 years, God. Is it time, Jesus? What does Jesus say? No, 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 no. You will neither know the time nor the place. That's, that's not even where he said, but you will receive power. You want power? You will get power. But the type of power that you're looking for is not the type of power that you're asking. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to do what? To be my witnesses. To be my witnesses in Jerusalem in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth you will be my disciples that it is our responsibility to take the gospel to the nations it's our responsibility to take the gospel to every area of our lives and so how how do we go about doing this when he talks about we are his ambassadors we are his and he says, so that we will be able to teach others also. We will be able to teach others also. So you're looking at second, again, you're looking at this passage. It talks about we are his ambassadors. Now, Paul talking to Timothy, passing it on to the next generation. He says that, and the things you heard me say, don't get cute with it. The gospel changes people, not how you present the gospel, not all this. It's the gospel that changes people. And God uses people to change the world, right? What type of people? Faithful people. People who understand it's not my will, but thy will be done. Faithful, available, teachable people, right? So that they will be able to teach others also, right? And so the question becomes is how? How and where do we teach? So let me just break this down real quick, and then we're going to um, have some Q&A. Number one is this. When we talk about um, this, this concept of disciple, it goes back to our very mission statement, unleashing healthy people to do ministry where life exists. Right, So when we talk about the, the where, where do we make disciples? Is where we live, where we work, and where we worship. One of the things that you do not recognize, and I oftentimes forget, is that each and every one of us, God has given a platform. He has given everyone a platform in which to communicate the gospel in which you can share your life, in which you can go and make disciples. This is the reason why in the Bible, where it says in Matthew chapter 28 and 19, where it says, make disciples, the question, that's the one imperative in that passage. But then it says, well, how do we make disciples? And it gives us three hanging verbs. They call participles. Those three hanging verbs basically describes how we make disciples. Going, baptizing, and teaching right? Those are the three participles that hang on the call to make disciples. Then this idea of going. The idea of going is that we got to understand, many times we don't understand where to go because we've lost um, both the Great Commission, but we've also lost the First Commission. You guys remember the First Commission? The First Commission when Jesus, or when God told Adam and Eve, he says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, Right? And so as we go out and as we live everyday life as followers of Jesus, we are to make disciples wherever we live, wherever we work, and wherever we worship. That that's the platform in which we have. So where or who God is calling you to make disciples, it's wherever you go, wherever you have. And what I love about that passage is that you can also translate that passage basically saying instead of going, it's having gone. We are to follow Jesus wherever Jesus leads us. And, and we are constantly to pray like Colossians chapter 4 for opportunities. Because he has given us platforms, right? And so in here, if you notice on here, it talks about the who. Who? On your, on your sheet, there, there, here's about five different things that you can put in your who. When we think about it as Blueprint Church and, and areas that we focus in on, number one is this like our community. We think about the old fourth ward community and just people here that live in this neighborhood, right? Wherever community you live in. But we also think about college, right? Do you recognize and do you understand that the Atlanta, the metro Atlanta area has over 250,000 college students that come in and out? That's where all the traffic comes from. But it's over 250,000 students converge. Georgia State, Georgia Tech, Emory, Morehouse, Spelman, Clark, Atlanta. They're coming in, and this is our neighborhood. this is where we are, that we see like a college. right We have a uh, yes, yeah, so our college. We also have career, right? Where you live, where you work, where you worship, work, is that every single day, wherever you have, God has given you a platform to work, right to, to show and to demonstrate the grace of God in church planting. Right? We, are, we have been a part of a church for these uh, 13 years where we've been able to plant over eight churches of people and elders that have come from this church and have been sent out and have started churches in other places. We've been a part of over 100 different churches and training pastors and leaders all across the country that are planted in urban communities. The reason why, again, that we came here to start this church is to plant a church That would embrace the beauty, the complexity, the density, the diversity, and to be a blueprint to help others to do that. So community, our college, careers, church planting, and then the nations, our countries, that we've been able to send out missionaries in all of a variety of different ways, whether it's going over and getting jobs over there and taking the gospel whether it's going on a mission trip, short-term mission trip, whether it's going on a midterm mission trip, where it's about um, eight weeks to about two years, or whether it's going on as a long-term missionary for over two years. You see, part of our desire, part of our goal is that we want to help you to make disciples where you live, where you work, and where you worship, because Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. And so this is our heart. This is our desire to do that. And here's all you have to do in order to make disciples. Here's the mechanics: two things. The mechanics of discipleship. It, discipleship is about inviting people into relationship. And then the second one is challenging them to change. It's not hard. God put this where everybody, it's an all-skate. Discipleship's not for the professionals, discipleship is for everyone. And it just takes those two components. All you got to do is invite people into relationship and then challenge them to change. What do we challenge them to change to? To look more like our Savior, Jesus. And this is what he says, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing, that's the conversion side of baptism. It's identifying and being raised. Baptizing in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teaching them. Well, what are we teaching them? Jesus talked about what he's teaching them. If you just scroll back a couple of things in Matthew chapter 22, 37, right? He says, when he talks about the whole law is summed up in this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. All of the commandments hang on this. So what are we we doing? God is calling us to do the great commission and fulfill the great commandment. The simplicity of our faith is just simply to go and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them. Teaching them to do what? Teaching them to fall more in love with God, more in love with other believers, and more in love with their neighbors. Christianity is simple in its message, but it's supernatural in its application. You can't do this on your own. And this is the reason why Jesus died the death that we deserved. He lived the life that we could not live so that he would send back the Holy Spirit to indwell in us so that we can do the things that God has called us to do. And we can fulfill, we can all create a space where we all belong and we all matter. And seeing this is our heart. This is our desire for us. So as Pastor Carly comes up, I want to take some time and just answer your questions. Here's what I want you to do is that as you look at these five circles, I just really want you to do like, why don't you just commit to a five-week challenge? We're not going to keep coming back to you and talking about it. This is just a five-week challenge. And we want you to do these five things each and every week in this five-week challenge, right? Number one, right, when we think about it, it's called the Jerusalem Five. In Jerusalem Five, we're just basically saying, guys, how do we make disciples where we live, work, and worship? Number one in, the, in this is that I just simply, in week one, just do this one thing a week. Don't rush it, just do one thing a week for the next five weeks. Week one, I just simply want you to identify. Identify five people that you know that does not know Jesus. Five people, just identify, right? Can you guys do that? Does anybody not know five people who don't know Jesus? Right. Yes. I mean, we all know. So that's number one. Number two is that I simply want you to pray. Take week two and just pray for the five people. Just pray for them. Just commit every single day. Pray for every one of the people that you have. Number two. Number three. And this is week three. All I want you to do is connect. Connect with those five, those five people. Just call them up and say, hey, or text them or chat Instagram, or whatever you want to do, just to say simply, hey, I've been praying for you. How can I specifically pray even more? Can, I mean, I haven't done anything really hard yet, right? We can all do this, right? Okay, now I'm going to actually do some things now. Number four is invite. If discipleship is inviting people into a relationship and challenging them to change, that's what we want you to do, is I want you to have an invite. I want you to simply invite them. Say, hey, I would love to take you out to lunch or whatever and just connect. And you say, wait, I ain't got no money. I'll pay for the meal. You just let me know. Like dollar menu. (laughs) Dollar menu. No, but I mean, this is like, it's inviting to say, hey, I've been praying for you. We're in week four and I've been praying for you. Will you just like, I would love just to have lunch with you. So invite. And the last one, challenge them to change. Challenge. Challenge. I want you to share the gospel. Right? Well, he says, Well, I don't know how to share the gospel. We've been talking about that this. We got these books. If you don't have enough today, we'll get you guys some more books. We'll bring some next week. But what we'll just want you to share is it's simple. Christ died for your sins. Right? He lived the life that we cannot live. He died the death that we deserve, right? And this simply. God's design, but because of sin, we live in brokenness. But if we repent and believe in the person and work of Jesus, then we can recover and pursue God's design. That's basically the back of that page right here. The back of that page, right? And so, what we want to do is that um, we want to take some time to answer any questions because there's some different ways that we have um, to be able to share. So, I've asked Pastor Carly just to share a little bit. Um, just tangibly, how have you seen this kind of flesh out your and then we can and then I want to give, give a couple of um, invitations. But if you have any questions, you can just already uh, raise your hand, and, um, and then one of the host team will come to you and be able. This, these are questions, so we don't want you to testify. We want you to ask questions. All right.: no, uh, Good afternoon. Uh, you
1: know, I really love. It. I personally love this topic because um, I feel like this is something that we can easily implement today, right, uh, in, the, in, in, in the context of our family, our church, being here. Because uh, I see in this room an opportunity both for us as a family, but then also uh, there are a lot of college students who are here um, coming back from a trip or probably just new to the area, uh, as a church, I feel like it's an easy win for us, even today, where you can implement what the Hadi talked about by just inviting one of these college students to dinner or, or to lunch. So at the end of service, you can easily walk up to any young person that you see. I met two uh, to, um, uh Young ladies in the back who are um, from Spellman, they're new uh, to the area, and man, what a wonderful way just to share um, Jesus' love.
0: Amen. Um, by doing that, and so I think in an easy one right now. Let's so embarrass them. If you are a college student, stand up. All the college students, stand up. College students, stand up.
1: And so this is an easy way right now that you can actually care for our college students. And so
0: invite one of them. And one, the first invitation is on us today after service. We are going to invite all of our college students to, for a pizza. Right. And so we're going to have pizza in the back. I want to make sure that we got the pizza. We're good. Give me the thumbs up. All right. Because I'm just like, that would be bad. All right. So, yes. No, 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 there is. This is we have pizza for every college student. That are, that's here today, we're to say it's welcome back. Welcome, you know, getting ready to kick off the year. We're excited that you're here. We're praying that God is gonna do supernatural things on your campus. And so today, is just our uh, token of appreciation. We're gonna say welcome. And if you are someone who loves college students, we would also welcome you to come up. Um, the pizza's not for you, but still, come up. You can have one slice. I don't know how much they got. You know, can they, have a, can they have a slice if they come? Yes. Justin, our college director, is saying, yes, you can have a slice. So if you come, if you genuinely like college students, come up and then we'll, we'll be able to, to feed you. And so, yeah, and that's going to be upstairs in the balcony immediately after, immediately after church. And so that is it. So I love that. It's a perfect application. What questions do you have? Anybody have questions? Yeah, it's, just, it's basically one of the areas that oftentimes we, you know, overlook is like worship, you know, and just like we are to worship God everywhere we go, you know. And so part of this, I didn't want to do forward and sound, so I didn't say worship and play, it's just too many. So I just cut off the play and basically um, talked about worship. But worship, one of the areas that oftentimes is neglected is here. Like we talk about we come together intentionally as a family to worship God together right? And, um, and one of the things is important in that we also can make disciples here. You know, I don't know the numbers, but there was a time where, um, let's, just, let's just imagine that there was 10 new people, 10 guests came every single week. If you do that over the course of 52 Sundays, that's 520 people who fill out a guest card every single week, right? And if you're filling out a guest card, basically you are saying, I want to be known, because otherwise you would just come and you would leave right? But if you're filling out a card, you're saying, I want to be known. We don't know what people are going through with their challenges and those things. And what we're saying is, is that we are also called to make disciples when we're coming here, right? And, that, and I, so it's important that even to the place in which we gather for the purpose of worship, we also want to be intentional about making disciples, you know, in this context.
1: And I would add, when you think about worship, you think about family, you're inviting them into your church family. And this is where they Carrying each other's burden, and you can think of all the commands that Jesus gave about how to implement those one another commands, and so this is actually where people actually see those embodiments, Like you talked mm-hmm. about, the embodiment of sacrificial love, um, unconditional love for one another. Like um, I love I was, when you're when you're preaching. I was looking at um, uh, Acts chapter two, verses thirty-nine, where it talked about how. This church gathered together, and they were mm-hmm. selling each. They, they were selling their their, their properties mm-hmm. and, and things like that. And because of how they gathered together and worship and sacrifice, the Lord kept adding to their number. And so I think that worship element is the Amen. context of family. This is your
0: church. Yes. And so when you think about what family does, and we actually have some slides for this, I just want you, you guys can write down. Like, well, I don't know how they serve or how to get involved or how. Where are the the platforms? there's some up here that we have the first one and i would say the lowest bar to how we make a disciples here is sunday gathering right i mean you come here come to the church we preach god's word we want you to fall more in love with god's word that's why we go through books of the bible actually starting september we will be walking through the book of esther so if you want you can go ahead and um, we're going to be spending 10 weeks in esther so um, I would recommend you go and start reading that. But Sunday gatherings. But one of the things that we would say as elders, that if the only place you're getting is Sunday, you're not getting all of what we want for you. Because it's one thing to just preach and teach, but there's another thing to rub shoulders and to connect. And so that's one. The second one is that we talk about city groups. You hear us talking about city groups everywhere. How many different city groups do we have? I think we have Nine different city groups that are spread all across Metro Atlanta, right? And we want everybody to get connected into a city group. This is where it's kind of like more of your smaller family. Like if this is kind of the large family, the the missional communities is more of that that more intimate family. It's the place where you can belong and matter. The, The challenge with something like this is that you don't know. You can... Like you can hide in here. You can come, you cannot be known in here. You can be overlooked oftentimes. But when we talk about like the city groups is where it's a place you can belong. It's a place that you can matter. So we, we would love to connect. And if you don't know about city groups, you can either go to the Connect Center. You can come to either uh, me or Pastor Carly, and then we'll, we'll allow, we'll help you to find a city group where you live or where you work in the area that makes sense. But under the city group is what we call DNA groups. Right. And in our DNA groups, you have the larger city groups, but DNA groups is a place where you can get even more intimate. This is where you get a few men or a few women. And you just basically able just to get involved in people's lives. If you were here last week, we talked about being a responsible sibling. And as a responsible sibling, it's talk about who's we ask you two questions. Who are you responsible for and who's responsible for you? Right? And this is the opportunity that structurally we built into so that we can say, hey that group, that DNA, that hopefully we're cultivating responsibility. And um, we have Issachar lectures and we're gonna talk about some of that, you know, the Issachar lectures that's coming up. And this is just a time where we're just gonna engage the mind, right? And a chance to interact. And um, show is gonna come up later and share a little bit, you know, about that. But we've had this yesterday, a social, some social gatherings, we have the men and women gathering. So every month we gather together we we talk about, um, you know, my boulevard, we we have the city syllabus that we've created a tool for you to go. And then basically it's like a right now media that's kind of tailored to our church, that some principles that we feel like that are important for our church that we are presenting. And so you can go and download the city syllabus. And, um, and so you can um, apply for that. And we also have codes for everybody here within the church, right? So all different types of things. Serving on a ministry team. How many different? I think we have 11 different ministries. Like um, it's 11 different ministries that we have. These are opportunities for you to serve, right? We have a health fair, again, that we'll talk about next week. That's an opportunity to serve, right? That, that we have uh, just different opportunities. So there's all the different types of things that we, we present these is because we want to help to care for you, equip you, and to mobilize you. To make disciples, right? And these are opportunities that we are doing to cultivate that within your within your life. So, any other this other questions? We have one, two, three. We have two up here, and then we come back to Thomas. These two. Let's get these two first, and then, all right, go ahead. Go first. Go ahead. Me? Okay. Ernesto.
1: So I'll start quickly with a question. Can you uh, give us more clarity on the statement that discipleship is not for professionals, it is for everyone? The reason I'm asking is I love the church, the name Blueprints, but I'm a construction guy. So I know the difference between a set of drawings that is not complete, design drawings, architectural, and a as-built set of drawings, meaning like it's complete, it's been proven, the building is up, and it's, it's got a strong foundation. Um, it's hard to have disciples if you're not able to be led or to be disciple, so. Um, I think you have multiple questions in that one question. Um, I would say that for the first question that you asked about discipleship is not for professionals. Um, man, I really, like when you when you touched on Matthew chapter nine, um, where you talked about uh, the Lord of the Harvest, pray that there would be laborers that go into the harvest. So I went back and looked at that, and you know I was kind of blown away that this was Jesus' prayer. Like he saw and he had compassion over just the need, and then he called to the disciples and he asked the disciples, "Can you pray?" to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. So this was Jesus is asking the disciples to pray for laborers to come. And so in that, like he's saying, we are all laborers. Like he's asking for all of us to be part of the work that he's doing. And so if you are a believer, you are automatically a laborer. You're not a professional. You're a laborer working alongside of Jesus. And then The reason why you're not a professional is because he empowers you to do it. So it's not you going and getting all the tools that you need to do the work that he is calling you to do. He's actually empowering you to do it. Um, And then he's giving you all the tools, the gifts that you need to actually do it. And so I think when you say it's not for professionals, like we have to learn all these things and become a pastor and go to seminary to learn how to share our faith. Man, all you're really doing is passing on this person that you've experienced. Does that make sense? You're passing and you're transferring. I love when you said you're not transferring information, you're transferring a person. This person that I've experienced and I've walked with and I've did life with and I'm just giving you that person so that you can see who who that person is. Um, So that's why I said there's multiple. I'll let you answer um, the question about the blueprint aspect.
0: Well, I mean, I just think that in the the scriptures, we see that. We see that concept. And even what you're saying, that in that passage, he talks about pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out. That word send out means that he would force out. But then he says, guess what? God answered our prayers, and then he sends them out, right? He says, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves, right? I think too many of us, we treat church, and I said this last week, but we treat church like an orphanage instead of a family, right an orphanage is where you have a couple of paid professionals and caregivers that's there to for everybody else but a family is where we all take responsibility for one another for a common goal common mission right and that mission is that we cultivate love and i think we recognize from the time that we get saved we got to recognize that we are sent we are sent and um and so and that's why I, that's why again jesus says it's simply inviting people into a relationship and challenging them to change, right? And it's the very simple, the simplistic, the simplicity of it. Mr. Bill, my man, he is here. All right, let's go up here. Appreciate appreciate the,
1: the word this morning, Dahadi. Um, in the Bible, we see a lot of uh, discipleship in the context of an elder and someone younger, right? Paul, Timothy, Jesus, and the disciples. Uh, could you guys speak uh, a little bit about Discipleship amongst peers who are in similar life stages. Um, what you guys have found best practices, things like that. Yeah, we actually talked about that um, yesterday in our men's gathering. So for all the men who missed it, you kind of missed that. Um, but uh, and so I think uh, even right now, you know, the Lord has placed a hottie in my life in so many ways. That's been beneficial to disciple me. Um, and so though we are serving in the same row, but we get to learn from each other's experiences. And so there are some experiences that he is, uh, the Lord has taken them through that I get to benefit from and learn from and same vice versa. And so I think what we do have in the body is that every single one of us have giftings. Does that make sense? And so that our gifting, like your gifting is not greater than mine. Your gifting is not greater. We all have gifts that the Lord gives us that we can benefit from each other. And so it's kind of like being humble, recognizing that I can learn from you. Like I can learn from you. I can learn from the Hadi. I can learn from anyone because you have a Holy Spirit in you that is teaching you and working in you that I should be able to value as well. Does it make sense? And so who, regardless of what position that we're in, like we can always learn from each other by, you know, if we're humble enough. Right, to submit to one another and realize that God, God can teach you things that, um, that I need to learn. Uh, and so I think by being humble and ready to learn from one another That's good. is the way that we can walk in.
0: And another practical way that you can talk about in just being intentional and seeking out is that same grid that we had. If you just put yourself kind of in that middle, like you put me in that middle's gray circle. And then one of the frameworks that they talked about yesterday at the men's gathering I thought was really, really good is just the idea is that everybody needs a Paul. So if you put Paul kind of at that top square, someone to mentor you, everyone needs a Barnabas, someone to encourage you, right, on your right and to your left. So you put on your right and left, someone to encourage you. And Barnabas is, are the people, like, I like to think of Barnabas in the way that like, Barnabas are the people in my life that, in the, in the space, they give me the space where I'd say, I need space where I can be a heretic. What do I mean by that? I need space where I don't have to be on, right? Because a lot of times as pastor, a lot of times you, I'm either going up or going down. And oftentimes I don't have that no one to the left or the right. Now, they won't let me remain a heretic, but I don't need that. Their goal is not to fix me. And I think we all need to have Barnabases. And if you just look at the Barnabases in the Bible, Barnabas in the Bible was the person was just like, hey, remember when Paul, he was wilding out and he was just like, man, this dude is crazy. You know, all the apostles was like, I'm not touching him. Barnabas was like, I got him. Right. And then even later on, when Mark, John Mark, and Paul was like, man, he, he let us down last time. Barnabas was like, I got him. We need those people that... Even in our, you know, our worst of times and the good times, like we need those barnabases to the left or to the right of us. And then the bottom two, just put Timothy's. Who are you intentionally pouring your life into that next generation? Who are you mentoring? Who are you, um, um, yeah, pouring into? And so I just think that's another way to kind of think about that is that who is that Barnabas? Who are those, who is that Paul? Who are those Barnabases? And who are those Timothys? And like, and literally don't just do this, like literally put a name down, right? And, um, And be intentional about it. And so I just think that that is an important thing. But the other thing that I would say is when you think about discipleship, think intersection, not addition. Think intersection, not addition. When you are thinking about older men, younger men, to your point, just simply just find someone to say, hey, I just want, just invite me into my, your life, right? And allow me to see how you treat your wife or how you parent your children or how you work on your job or just give me environment. Because a lot of times we think about discipleship is just like, we got to get the like most popular book or we got to study like all the, Bible. this is like, no, Jesus says, follow me and you will become fishers of men. An invitation into relationships sometimes is just simply to saying, I just want to see how you integrate your faith into every day, right? And so oftentimes you don't like have to stop and just say, because And here's the thing. So many times we have created disciple-making. I'm rifting now. Um, So many times we have made disciple-making about me. It's about me. Hey, Carly, will you disciple me? And I need you to focus all the attention on me. But that wasn't the models that we see. When we see discipleship is that the discipler was just like, hey, I want to learn from you. Can I just be with you in what you're doing, right? And then we get mad and frustrated when a person's not stopping everything and focusing on you, right? That's not discipleship, Is you following. You coming alongside. And there's so many different opportunities that nobody has a lot of opportunity to stop everything that they're doing and just focus on you. But many people will say, hey, I'm going out working out five days a week. Hey, I'm going, I go to this gym or i Go hoop at this court or whatever it is. I go to work at this place. So I'm just like many different things. There was just a guy this, the other day who was just like, man, I'm struggling. I, I just don't know what to do. And then he, and I was just like, and he, but he wanted to learn construction. I was just like, why don't you just go ask someone who's doing construction and says, I'm in a season of life. I don't need any money. Will you just, can I just sit with you? Right? How many people are just going like, nah, free help? no. You see what I'm saying? But it wasn't like, you need to pay me. You need to... And that's, that's in the too much of that. It's just like we are in different seasons of life. We have the opportunity. So if you want to be disciple, don't just sit there. Ask someone. And then when you ask someone, don't say, I'm not trying to change your rhythms. I just want to join you in your rhythms. Right? And I think that that's important for us to understand. So I'm done. I think we're over. We're five minutes over. That was a three-minute riff, and we're five minutes over. Any Was there any other? Okay, we got one more.
1: Um, I guess um, this is kind of a two-sided question. Um, I interact with a lot of people who uh, have either left the church because of a negative experience in their church or just a negative view of the church from how they see the American church. It's... I just want to know, how would you, I guess, disciple them when they've already, I guess, heard so much about Jesus, but I want to be able to validate their experience and say, hey, maybe that wasn't a healthy church without entirely, I guess, being entirely negative about the church, but still showing them the love of Jesus. That's good. Um, I mean, I think again, going back to the sermon like you are that ambassador that will change the picture of the church for them. Um, I really love, again, man that that Matthew 9, it sticks on me because prior to the the, the section on the harvest, Jesus is pictured in Matthew's house sitting with, all types of people right with tax collectors sinners and like prostitutes and all these and then you have a group of people looking in to the home and and yelling at jesus like why do you do that why do you sit with these type of people and then he's like man it's the sick that actually needs a doctor right um and so he sits with people and he allowed them to just be free around him right and so he didn't call the tax collectors in that moment to like change or the prostitute or the sinners, to change. He actually allowed them to be. Now, that doesn't mean that he condoned their sin, but he actually allowed them to just be around them. Um, And so I think you being that ambassador to reflect the character of Christ, loving them, understanding that there's a process that the Holy Spirit is taking them through, and it's a journey that may not look linear like ours, right? And maybe you came to know Jesus, and then, man, like, the sanctification process was pretty fine for you. But then there's some that are experiencing confusion and uh, maybe they're experiencing doubt. Um, And I think us being patient like Jesus was patient with us, patient like he was with the disciples, three years of walking with them and them understanding, but then them turning away. I think you being that ambassador of love, that ambassador of mercy, that ambassador of patience, like, they would see a different picture from what we have painted. In some ways, we've painted the church to be this place where only perfect people come into, right? And so I think you changing that, showing that, man, we are a place where there's sick people. And the sick people need doctors. And this is why we come to Jesus, because we're desperately in need of him. And you tell them, I am one of those, right, that I may not have it all together. And it's okay, we can sit together, right, around God's word. Right. Not just saying kumbaya that we're all sick, but no, like around God's word and allow the word of God to heal our sickness. Does that make sense? So, yeah, love them, embrace them, invite them into your life, but be patient with them, just like Jesus was patient with us.
0: And let me just say this one thing on that in this new kind of genre of oppressor narratives that we have going on in this, the world that we live in what we have to recapture in the biblically is what, what Pastor Carly is saying is simply is captured in one word. We have to recapture the art of hospitality. Hospitality. You create hospitality in not order to change people, you create hospitality in order for change to take place, the ability for change to take place. And I think that that is so, that is so, so critical when I, not yet, Mr. Bill, later, Um, when we talk about hospitality, like, and I think that's really important. We have to create space for people. People are dealing with trauma that has come from the church. You never try to rationalize with someone in trauma, right? You have to give them space to be able to process Right? And so that's what I would say is that maybe God is putting you in that place to give that person space and to keep pushing them back to Jesus and keep working with them through that. And so I would just say, recapture the art of hospitality. It's a biblical concept. It's something that we've lost. We think it's just about baking cookies and all of that stuff, but it's really about creating space, you know, where where people can where people can um, change and work through their work through their stuff. So.